Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And on today's podcast, we have... Hi, I'm Josh McKim. I'm with Nottoway County Economic Development. I'm the executive director there, and I've been there since 2014. Welcome, Welcome. Josh. Thank you. It's good to be here, guys. I was really impressed, Travis. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) Like you've done this before. He has some hidden skill set. That degree's paying off occasionally, so. Well, welcome, Josh. So, first of all, would you please describe sort of what your role is and what you do? In your, in your job every day? You know, I probably have the best job of anybody. It's just such a fun and, and I don't know, it's full of variety. I am in charge of economic development for Nottoway County. That's city and the county. We are a public-private partnership. About 40% of our funding comes from private industry. Another 60% come from the city and the county. Uh, we do economic development. That means we work on trying to recruit businesses into our community. So we work with our existing employers to try to keep them in business or keep them here. And then we get to do some of the fun stuff with entrepreneurship. And that's a lot of fun. And then we do a few things here and there with community development and public relations. How did you find the like find this gig? Did you did you want to be, did you know this was a thing and you wanted to be here? How did you get into this role? You know, the good answer would be that I always planned to do this. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I graduated from Northwest back in 2000. I had a history degree and a minor in economics. And I did not want to go into the real world. And so I decided to go to grad school. I'm not saying everybody does that. But for me, it was avoidance. And uh, got into grad school, got into economics, had my first child and decided, you know what, at some point in time, I need to grow up and be a responsible adult and make some money. And so I got out of grad school. Actually, it was my last semester of grad school. And I started applying for jobs. I figured everybody was ready for Josh McKim and they'd be lined up. So I applied for every job that had the word economics in it that I could find. That seems like a good strategy right there. I mean, it's a logical one. I'm one of those who really planned out his career well, didn't have an internship, just went to class. You know, I was one of those guys thought through everything and planned it well. And so I fell into economic development. And uh, it's been an, it's an interesting field because there are some places that have a degree field in economic development, but most places don't. It's just something you kind of fall into. Having an economics background does help, but it's not mandatory. Having some kind of business background would be helpful. Uh, and so I got into it because, again, I looked and applied for every job I could find on economic development. Finally got an interview and then decided, you know what, I probably need to know what this is and started researching it a little bit prior to going into the interview and found out that the, it really is kind of a, a profession I fell in love with. When I was in grad school, my intention was to be that guy that you put in the basement with no windows, which that's ended up being true. I don't have any windows in my office. So that part's true. But you kind of put that person away from the general public and you give them one light bulb that hangs above their head and they sit there and they do numbers all day long. That was who I thought I should be. 
now that I look back on it, that's really kind of a scary thought that I ever had that. But that's what I thought I should be. And then I got uh, got into economic development. And you're not an you can't live an introverted life in economic development. You got to be somewhat extroverted, which was a challenge for me. But fell in love with the fact that it is a different day every day in what I do. There is no day that's the same. Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities, and it's just it is a very fluid profession. It's a lot of it's very exciting. That's how I got into it. I kind of fell into it, and then have stayed in it. Uh, a lot of people get into it, get out, and, and do other things. Uh, I'm one of those few people that this is my first career. Some this it becomes a second career for they get into banking, then they get into economic development, or they they ran a business and they get into economic development, or they shoot they volunteered a whole lot in the community, and they got got into economic development. For me, this is my original career, and and frankly, it's the one I'll most likely to retire from. So did you start in Maryville, like after grad school, or did you were you an economic developer somewhere else and then came back to Maryville? It took me a while to get an interview. And I'll be honest, that's on me more than anybody else, because I didn't do anything to prepare for the real world by like maybe getting internships and developing a network while I'm in college. Those would be good things to do. <laughs> that's Josh's first tip right there. <laughs> that's, that's my first tip. That's not what I did. <laughs> I would do that. Now, I, uh, I did end up getting a job here in Maryville to begin with. I worked at the Regional Council of Governments uh, as their economic development planner and worked there for just over a year. And it was a great experience, learned a lot and dealt with a lot of infrastructure stuff, but not as much on the business development side. After that, I had an opportunity to go and head up an economic development organization in Kansas, Junction City, Kansas and worked there for about three years and then had the opportunity to go back to Stillwater, Oklahoma and head up their economic development efforts. I was down there for several years prior to coming back home. I went to grad school at Oklahoma State University. So that's why I said go back because that's in Stillwater. So I went back to Stillwater for a while and then came back to Maryville for the third time, I guess, because I'm from Maryville and I've been here since ever since for about eight years now and work in economic development. I came back in part because of, well, when Energizer closed, I want to come be part of trying to move the community forward after that loss. My family was here. My wife's family is in Omaha. Our kids were getting to the age where, you know, it'd be nice if they got to spend some time with their grandparents versus, you know, a couple of times a year. So we, uh, we made that move and decided to come back home. Is it easier or more difficult to be a person who has to develop businesses and things like that in your hometown? Because I, I would think it would be, there would be things that would be easier because you have the familiarity, but there's also, you have those kind of biases and those, you grew up liking things and now you have to represent all the businesses in the county. Is it easier or harder to work in your hometown versus another town like Stillwater or Junction City that's not home? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. There are elements that are easier about it. You don't have to continually build your network. You kind of have a network already. You do continue to build it, but it's not it's not brand new. You know people, you know, hey, you know, we knew each other in high school from this, this, and this, you know. And so that part is easier. That's also kind of a double-edged sword because Believe it or not, people do sometimes complain about economic development. When it's not your hometown, it's not personal. When it's your hometown, sometimes you take that a little more personal. And so from that standpoint, that's been a little harder. But other than that, 
it's probably easier in many ways because you do have those connections and they're longstanding connections. And I think too, coming at it, I mean, I could see where the taking, taking things personally would be difficult, but also it also, that's kind of what fuels your passion for the work as well, right? Like it's your hometown. You, you don't want to see it not de- be developed or not thrive, not flourish, right? Yeah. I mean, it's my hometown. I want to see my hometown do well. I want to see it, see it do so well that my kids have every opportunity in the world for them right here. Now, I want them to have the ability to go anywhere, but I want them to have the ability to go anywhere, but choose to be here and still have an incredibly productive, wonderful life with a wonderful quality of life. So, you know, for me, there's that love of their hometown and there's, there's motivation. I mean, frankly, somewhat selfish motivation because of my kids. And I want my kids to be able to have and do what, what I've been able to do and have a great career, have a great opportunity in my hometown if they want. So there is a bit more passion and a bit more fire to it than there would be other places. You're right. I always think it's interesting, you know, thinking about what, what you do, like you work for Nottoway County and those who aren't familiar with Nottoway County, you have Maryville and then you have a whole bunch of small towns kind of in orbit around Maryville. So what's it like working with the county, not just with the city? The city of Maryville is very active in, in economic development as well. And so there's there's a uh, component where we, we do work with them quite a bit. And Maryville is the economic engine of Nottoway County and, and really beyond that even. We are a hub of, of economic activity in Northwest Missouri. We're considered a micropolitan community, which means you know we, we do have our own sustained economy as well as some population requirements. So there, there's some things there that are kind of interesting. But beyond that, you do have to be very cognizant of uh, serving the entire county. Um, and I, fortunately, I have a board that has always been very focused on, we're not just Maryville, we're not just Nottoway County, but because of who we are as, as a engine of economics, we serve a larger area. And so we, we try to be very proactive on a regional basis. Um, and when we try to support uh, Nottawa, not just Nottaway County, but Atchison, Holt, Gentry, Worth, uh, and Andrew County, as we look at the counties that surround us, and sometimes even in Iowa, but we try to we try to be supportive of them, and we try to engage them in our different activities because, again, we believe that what's good for Atchison or Gentry is good for Nottaway County. It's good for Maryville. With that, we do try to get out into the county quite a bit to meet with businesses and. And try to have some key contacts throughout the county and the different communities um, that can kind of keep us abreast of what's going on. And but truthfully, we don't get out probably near as enough as we really need to. But that is something we do a lot of is try to get to the different parts of the county to stay connected. If nothing else, just to stop it and say, hey, how's it going? Tell me about your business. What should we be doing as a county or as a community to support you? What, so just kind of bounce off of that, like what are some small businesses, who are some entrepreneurs operating around here that uh, we should know about? Oh, there is plenty of those. Free publicity, yeah. You know, it's it's been kind of an interesting last year. So about a year ago, we started this uh, pop-up shop. Um, and, and if you're not familiar with it, it is basically we've offered up the Chamber of Commerce property and said, hey, come open up a business for a day or two or even a couple hours in the old license bureau. 
So businesses have come in and done that. And, and that's been fascinating uh, because we've seen a number of, of businesses that had started as a uh, at-home project kind of change and, and change into different things. We've seen some of them look at and actually come become a bricks and mortar operation. We've seen one buy, buy a, um, a food truck. And then we've seen uh, one of them get more actively engaged in uh, different festivals, but also uh, open up in a uh, kind of an antique mall type of operation. So that's been interesting. Um, I think as far as businesses that uh, you should know about, there are plenty. It's hard for me to name just a few because if I do, then I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> but I would definitely check out the uh, pop-up shops because that's kind of a fun variety of, of things. We have uh, several ladies that, or several businesses, excuse me, that do uh, cinnamon rolls. Can't go wrong with the cinnamon roll. Angie Cakes gets here. Golf Grocery gets here for cinnamon rolls. Both are excellent. I, uh, I've done some quality control testing on those. <laughs> Sylvia does her, they're not macaroons because that's not the right pronunciation, but I call them macaroons and great cookies. A lot of fun there. Always a fun lady to come in. She's got stories to tell and just, it's a, it's a neat experience. And then, uh, shoot, we've had different sign businesses come in, uh, Sergeant Roderick signs, and then, uh, Neff Valley creations has come in and done their signs, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of entrepreneurs. In, in fact, Hannah, you've been heavily involved in, in some of the boss coffees that we've done. Uh, again, trying to highlight local businesses. So I may just name a few of those that we've done just to try to, but uh, five fantastic Fido's right there on third and main. We highlighted them and had them kind of introduce themselves to some of the business community. If you're not familiar with them, check them out. Um, do, they do some great boarding as well as training of dogs and cat. Well, not cats. <laughs> Of pets. pets. I didn't catch that part. Yeah. <laughs> pets. Um, I'd, I'd check them out. They've got some uh, some retail stuff as well. We were at a barnyard boutique last week. If you haven't been out to barnyard boutique, that's on North Main, just north of the North Casey's. I have to say North Casey's because we have several cases, <laughs> which they have great pizza, so I'm good. With that, let's see. Uh, before that even, we had uh, Posh. Simply Posh. They had moved from South Main up to downtown. It was a great move for them. Uh, really got in our downtown district. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that if you're looking at growing downtown, Blue Willow, White Elm, now Black Pony, Stephanie Campbell's done a great job of multiple small businesses and, and really is a serial entrepreneur, which is what you want. When you have an entrepreneur, you want them to be serial. So they do it over and over and over yeah, so they she's done a great job for the downtown area. Just been a real fun time for small business over the last. I shouldn't say a fun time for small business the last couple of years. It's been exciting to see the development in small businesses and see them really, I think, rise to a very difficult occasion um, and do some great things. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I know COVID, you know, obviously was a challenge for all businesses, but it did seem like Nottoway County specifically, our small businesses not only survived COVID, but some of them really thrived through it. And I think some of that was the work you guys did, but then some of it was kind of on their own. Do you want to kind of talk about how you all weathered COVID and came out the other end stronger? So as we entered into COVID and there was a lot of unknowns, a lot of, you know, obviously it is, it was a global pandemic of tremendous 
health concern and and was going to impact people in in the most dire ways right where we we're going to see people's lives lost and and it was going to be terrible now when we understood that that was probably the case and it definitely turned out to be true from an economic development standpoint we knew we couldn't do anything about that we really were not equipped to respond to the healthcare crisis we could however try to respond to the economic crisis that was going to be attached to it. And so as we looked at it, we said, okay, where, what part can we play? So my organization, uh, my board and, and, and staff, we worked, looked at that and we put together kind of a plan of work uh, tied around response to COVID. So we, we function under a plan of work every year. We try to kind of map out what we're going to do. Uh, when COVID hit, we threw that map away. I shouldn't say we didn't throw it away. It's still sitting on our computers. But we stopped and, and said, we, this is a big enough issue that it's going to require us to change what we do, how we do it, at least for the foreseeable future. And so we did. We pulled, pulled away and we put together a plan of action um, of things we should be doing to support our small businesses. Part of that was business highlights. We did a lot of business video highlights. We had talked about that for years and uh, always had a reason not to do it. We didn't have the right person to be in front of the camera for one. We didn't have the pretty enough face. Well, we probably did, it just wasn't mine. We didn't have the right cameras. We didn't have this, we didn't have that. We made up a lot of reasons not to do it. When COVID hit, we decided, you know what? I can stand in front of a phone and you can video with the phone and we'll just do it. And uh, it turned out to be one of the better things that we've done. There was a lot of people that got to that saw it. We had a lot of videos watched on uh, on just really highlighting the businesses and what they did. It was nothing more than putting a face with the name of the business, and that's what the our intent was to get into the community, to get into people's minds that these businesses have a face. And in COVID, stay safe, avoid situations that are endanger you, but also don't forget to support this face and this business. And so. That was the message there. And that was a big part of what we did. You know, we, we tried to stay abreast of as much information as we could as far as all the business programs that were coming down from the federal government, from the state. And there was a lot of it. All of it was changing while it was being. So they'd write it, they'd allocate the funds, and then they'd change everything. And then they'd give you the funds, and then they'd change it. So you didn't know. Fortunately, we had enough resources. And Rebecca Labina, who's actually part of Northwest Missouri State University, uh, as well as SBDC, was a wealth of knowledge. Between her and Sherry Shinowick uh, with the state of Missouri, they kind of kept our community uh, abreast. We did uh, training videos with them, and they helped us out tremendously getting the word out. And so we spent a lot of time just trying to make a, every resource that would, could be available available to our local businesses, trying to make sure they're aware of it during the COVID process. We then, um, after about a year of that, we worked with the county to put together a business grant program, the first one, tied into how do you support local business through it uh, with the CARES funding. And I'll say our county commission stepped up to the plate big time and um, put a lot of money into our small businesses, as did the PPP and a number of other things. About March of last year, we decided, okay, as an economic development organization, we need to probably head toward some kind of recovery. Uh, we've kind of tried to re triage and, and try to, to deal with, again, the economic fallout. Now, how do we move beyond just dealing with 
this and, and actually get toward something. And, and so we put together another plan and then gave it out to the city and the county and a number of others to review, to, to comment on, to also to say, this is the guidance we, we recommend. Um, and, and over the next, this last year, we've tried to kind of stick to some of that guidance and, and trying to help businesses transition into how do you deal with a post-COVID world? Um, and again, I understand we're not completely done. I understand all that things, but we want to be ahead of the game if we can. And so what you've seen now is we've tried to help equip businesses to, um, to transition some of their bit, some of how they do things. Uh, so the chamber and NCED, we're doing a uh, webinar series on social media 101. And, and again, it's very relaxed talking to some people who do it already, um, getting some basic pointers on what do you do for TikTok? How do you, how do you make your business use TikTok to drive sales? What do you do on Instagram to drive sales? This week, we'll be talking about Facebook. That's the only medium I'm actually on. So this will be interesting. I'm a little disappointed. I was really hoping for a Josh McKim TikTok. Just, I know many people would follow that, you know, just putting that seed, planting that seed in your head. You know, it's been since the beginning of the year, that's been on our priority list of goals is to make me TikTok famous. (laughs) So we're working on that diligently. <laughs> I just don't think I've got it. <laughs> I've tried practicing the, the pointing and it just doesn't work very well. Again, we're trying to, to equip businesses. Travis, we've been tremendously fortunate in Nottaway County. And I have to give a lot of credit to our small businesses. They have been very agile in how they've responded to the challenges of COVID. We had one business, one restaurant who during the food crisis, uh, became a center for people to buy food. So during, I shouldn't say food crisis, that makes maybe a little more dramatic than it really was, but there was some times where you'd go to the grocery store and that you didn't have what you thought you needed to have. And one of, the, one of our restaurants became kind of a center for that. And people in their small community could get their groceries at the restaurant. Again, just changing up how they did some things. We've had some of our businesses move towards service. They, the retail, they still maintained a retail component, but they added the service sector uh, in response to it. Again, trying to find ways to, to add revenue streams and stay viable. And businesses have done a lot of different things like that to try to thrive during this time. And some of them have. That's not to say we don't have some, some that have struggled. They have. And, you know, it's hard when... When people aren't going in the doors, it's hard to make sense. We've got to figure out how to help them as well. So, but we've been very fortunate, and uh, and, and I got to say, our small businesses did a great job of of responding to to a very difficult situation. Well, I thought it was a real testament to our communities too, because you know I'm one of those people I get frustrated living in a small community sometimes because you know if I want Chipotle, I've got to drive to St. Joe. That's frustrating, but at the same time, stuff like COVID really does show that smaller communities really come together in times of crisis to where that's not always the case in larger communities because you are segmented and you've got your your neighborhood your suburb your whatever and you know northwest missouri is northwest missouri and i did feel like during covid there was you know like my family tried to do takeout a couple times a week through covid because we wanted businesses to stay open and and i didn't want to cook so it was a nice (laughs) nice double thing there and we weren't going anywhere spending money on anything else so why not support the businesses so i i saw a lot of families doing that and that was when it was it was kind of nice to as bad as the situation was and i know that you know for businesses it was not great but it was nice to see the community come together and support 
support one another, support, you know, Maryville, support Northwest Missouri and, you know, the communities support each other. That was a nice thing to see. And that's one of the benefits of living in a smaller community is you, you take care of your own when, when things go bad and that happened. So. It was absolutely a heartwarming experience in, in many ways for that reason is that you saw your neighbors looking at trying to watch out for neighbors and you saw people step back and, and take a breath and say, you know, there's some bigger things going on here and let's, let's help each other through this. And so there was a lot of that and that, you didn't see that in a lot of bigger towns, bigger communities. You know, there's some estimates say that up to 35%, and it's definitely at least 25% of small businesses failed during COVID. Our rural areas didn't see near that number. But if you spent much time in any of the cities, especially some of the newer shopping centers and areas, you would go in and you'd see vacancy after vacancy after vacancy. And, and don't get me wrong, every community has vacancies, but these were shops six months to a year earlier prior to COVID and, and COVID just decimated some, some major shopping centers. We were in Dallas this last summer and uh, there were, we were in a nice, nice suburb. And as I walked through a shopping center, there was hardly a store left. It just decimated it. So we've, we've been very fortunate. If someone might listen who might want to be economic development person, like what are your recommendations or tips or tricks if somebody thinks this is something they might enjoy doing? It is such a diverse activity. So you might in the morning be working with a Fortune 500 company. That afternoon, you may be working with somebody who wants to put up a food truck. It just, there's just this breadth of change. You may be talking to somebody who's, again, talking in the billions of dollars in revenue to somebody who is now has an idea in their garage (laughs) and in the same day you may be doing that so it's such a diverse field and it's so much fun because you if you're somebody who likes to know a little bit about a lot this is the profession to get into because it's just there's so many different things you get pulled into that are just fascinating that being said if you're interested in it probably the best way to start is to try to work at an organization that's a little bit bigger than a community. And I I would recommend some kind of regional organization and or the state of Missouri has the Missouri Department of Economic Development. Uh, A lot of economic developers who are tremendously successful in the field start with a statewide organization because it does kind of introduce you to the field. Uh, it's, It's not one you can necessarily go to school and get everything you need. I would recommend a business background uh, or an economics background, well, the same thing, but a, a business background would be would be preferable. And, and understand that if you've started a business, it's not a bad background either. If your business degree, if this interests you, if your business degree look toward maybe getting involved with the state of Missouri, they are often hiring because they do become this place, this kind of training ground for economic developers who go somewhere else. So I've seen economic developers who have been tremendously successful start there. And then to a lesser degree, some of the larger regional organizations, either the uh, Kansas City, KCADC, Kansas City Area Development Corporation, St. Louis um, has a similar organization as does Springfield. Those are large enough that uh, you're not by yourself. You're not the person that has to be responsible or I shouldn't say responsible, but you don't have to be. You're not the final say. You're not the one answering for whatever does or doesn't happen, but you get a great uh, experience of being heavily involved in the economic development process. And then you get to can move on to becoming the person that has to answer the questions. 
that's how I would start. I fortunately started that way uh, at a regional council government, totally by accident, had not planned this out. Got to move on to another community and kind of be the person that had to answer the questions. That was that was a tough move. It probably would have been good for me to have spent a couple more years going through and just understanding the field of economic development. It worked out okay. If somebody wants to start a business, like we have young entrepreneurs, I, we've talked to students before who've started businesses. I'll link some of those with the video here. But if somebody wants to start a business, what, what, what should they do to kind of make that first step? Should they come see you? What, what do you recommend? Again, I think that's another great idea. We'd love to talk to you about what your business dreams are. It's one of the, it's one of the things I love most about my job is getting to talk to somebody about pursuing their dream right? Pursuing what they want to do with their life, what they want to do is starting a business. That's just exciting because it, it energizes me. It's an excitement. It's exciting to see people looking at how do I, and thinking big and how do I, how do I live out this dream? So that to me is something I love to do, but I would recommend talking to somebody before you actually jump and start. Um, and, I, and I'd recommend probably talking to us to begin with. We're pretty good at kind of sitting down and talking through a few basics with you. But most likely, we're going to try to pull in either uh, Kelly Morris at Enterprise Facilitation or Rebecca Lavina at SBDC at uh, some point, because they both have a lot more experience with uh, working with entrepreneurs. That's what they do every single day, all day, and have uh, more resources to help with entrepreneurs. But usually, we like to meet with you first to kind of try to run through some things so that we can present to them hey, we want you to meet with this business. Here's what they are looking at doing. This is some of their background. Just give some basic information. So I would love to sit down and talk to you about it. I'm probably going to connect you with some, some folks that can give you some in-depth counseling, uh, as well as help you through the business uh, planning process. And then you'll probably come back to me because we run some financial programs that can help people start businesses as well through our office. So we kind of partner together with several different organizations. It's all about building that network, right? It, it really having, is. Having all those resources and all those helping hands kind of all working together, really. Believe me, I get it. With some of the businesses, you want to keep a lot of information proprietary. And that sometimes becomes a big concern for folks. And, and it should be. But from our standpoint, from our organization, as well as with enterprise facilitation or SBDC, I lose my job if, if I disclose things that aren't supposed to be disclosed. That's a, that's a fireball offense. Um, and so we're, we're, we're held to a certain standard, probably a higher standard than, than you're going to understand uh, of confidentiality. And so when you bring your business idea in there, we are not shopping it around to other people. That's sometimes something that gets people a little worried. We're not going to shop it around. We're not going to go anywhere else with it. What we are going to do is we're going to try to find resources to help you move it forward and move it from a dream into a reality. It's a lot of fun. I love that. I actually think that sums it up well, right? We're, we're here to help you move your dream into reality. That's <laughs> what we do. And I love it. That's so much fun. You should change your title to Josh McKim Dreamweaver. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Travis, I have a board meeting this month. Or this week, actually, on Friday, I'm going to say Travis Klein at Northwest Missouri State University. I'll write a letter of recommendation. So. All right. Well, thank you so much, Josh. That was great. We really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah thank no you problem. for being a guest. It was awesome. Hey, it was fun. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
And you mentioned social media. Before we go, just real quick, where can they find NCED on on social media? We uh, we really predominantly are only, for the most part, on Facebook. Uh, Nottaway County Economic Development uh, you, on Facebook. The uh, we do have a Twitter, but we're not actively using it. So Nottaway County Nottaway County Economic Development on Facebook is where we're going to be at, and we're there pretty well every day, multiple times a day, sharing different things about what what's going on in the business community. Every once in a while, we still do videos. Well, I've kind of been able to avoid some of that. Looking forward to the next video. All right. Hey, thank you. <laughs> It'll be a TikTok, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we'll talk to you next time.